Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, and former Toulon Leon fullback at England International, Dylan Armitage this week. How are you doing, Dylan? Yeah, fine, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. And um, what are you doing nowadays? Where are you? Where are you living? How's retirement? Yeah, it's it, it's been tough, but um, obviously the French kicked me out, so I'm back in England. Uh, <laughs> Your missus uh, dragged you out. Who are you kidding? You wanted to stay, be honest. Let me stay tough, mate, because I'm a tough, <laughs> tough boy of rugby. Let me keep my, uh, keep my name. So, yeah, I was dragged back to England um, for the family, kids. So I'm back here living the, the lovely sunny life in London, just growing up, actually being a father now and a husband. So um, they love it. I'm enjoying it, um, picking up school drop-offs, pick-ups, and enjoying being back here. So you clearly terrible. miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're selling us the, father, the fatherhood dream. <laughs> Don't have kids. Listeners, don't have kids. Don't do it. And you clearly do miss it. You miss the south of France. You liked it there. Look, I, I was quite fortunate growing up there um, from 13 to 17. Then I had a little break, came back over here to London Irish and then went back after the 2011 World Cup um, to the same kind of area. So Toulon to Nice was is an hour away. So it was nice catching up uh, with old friends while I was playing as well with one of the top teams in Europe. So um, yeah, I do miss it. Um, Obviously, I miss it even more because now my brothers are over there and they send you snaps about the weather being over 15, 18 every day. But look, the nice thing is they're still there, so I get the opportunity to, to go and visit. How many times have you been over to see Steph since he's been here? Um, I've actually never been to Burritts. I was going <laughs> to say, like, with COVID, obviously, it would have been really hard. But now that it's starting to clear up, obviously, you'll get over a bit and catch up and, and enjoy the Southwest a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, my mum was pretty excited, never really liked us playing rugby, pretty excited as we've all kind of started re- slowly retiring and stopped playing and that. And then obviously Steph's a bit greedy, um, has to keep going as long as possible. So he's down in Buritz, uh, surfing it up, enjoying the French the French Euros. But look, you know, I'd love to get out there. Like you said, COVID has been quite tough and obviously you don't want to be mingling around the players and that they've had a lot of stress about it, I think, because a lot of guys had COVID. They had to stop games in there last year. There was a lot of issues. So I've decided to wait. But um, yeah, with other issues going on now, I think, you know, COVID, you know, the restrictions are coming off. So hopefully I can get over there with my brothers, even my sister and see a couple of the games, especially with my other brother playing for Toulouse Rugby League. So that should be fun. 
We'll touch on your time in France a little bit later on, maybe. But Johnny, it's a big week out there this week, huge week. We'll talk about the rugby in a sec, but what's the mood like over there? Excited? It's ridiculous. And again, like to give you context, they released the TV figures this weekend. Generally through the game, they had 6.9 million people watching the game. That's more than the popular. That's having every single like kid, granny, dad, uncle in Scotland and Wales combined, like every human in those countries sitting down watching the rugby. And then for the for the last 10 minutes, they had 8 million people watching the game and everybody's pumped, like just so excited. Like we've talked about over the past couple of months, people are just excited to have their team back. Now it's real. It's within their grasp um, and everybody's really excited. Even Delo's excited. He's always going for a, He's got a big one this weekend with Basta over in Paris. So he'll be lucky he'll be there. Um and he'll be really lucky if they manage to do a Grand Slam because it'll be an epic party. So now everyone's excited and it's a healthy time for French rugby, shall we say. And let's just look back on last weekend before we look ahead to the Grand Slam game. Cardiff, were France ill, Johnny? Yeah, a little bit. So Greg Aldrich was out for a couple of days. Um, little bits of gastro, as I say over here, a bit of flu as well. But they all managed to front up and play. Um, nobody was held out or ruled out. So I think that they were disrupted a little bit in their prep, but it wasn't something serious where people were seriously ill and they couldn't play. Never easy to deal with. Like Delon's obviously been through it. I've been it as well. Monday, Tuesday, you're out. But that's it. Everyone was there fit for team run um, and they looked in good shape on the field. Although it was a really difficult game and we'll get into that as well with, with Dilo, it didn't look like that had any really big effect on the prep. What did you make of it, Dylan? Because Antoine Dupont was nursing a sore arm, Fabien Gauthier after the game talking about how their prep was affected. Did it look like it affected them? Possibly a little bit, but I, I think as an international pro, a pro player, um, for them, in, I think the mindset was get over there, get the win, come back to Paris for the Grand Slam. For me, that would have been my mindset, illness or whatever's going on in the camp. And I think it would have been nervous times. That's, there, it is a young team. You are playing away in Wales. You know, they've been there for, I think, France, you know, found it quite difficult over there, over the years. You know, and you're playing for a Grand Slam, you know, potentially that was a semi-finals for them um, going into it. So the pressure would have been obviously on them. Now I had a lot of friends saying, oh, the France are going to put 40, whatever, over Wales. I said, listen, if you watch the Wells at home, they stay in games. You know, they're their friends. They know what it takes. And they always front up. And I, I don't care where you are, whether it's in Scotland, Ireland, you know, the home team will always front up at home in front of their crowd. So the people who are expecting that probably still live in the Stone Age because, you know, as a professional international, you're fighting for your country basically at home in that stadium. And I think Wells stood up really well. Bar France, maybe, you know, making an excuse about illness or whatever. I know it's going to be a completely different team in France, but... I thought, you know, the performance, if you told France, take a point in Wales and go home and win the Grand Slam, they would have signed that contract and waited in Paris for England. And Johnny, we've talked quite a lot in recent weeks about how you play against this France side. Wales yeah. kicked the ball 39 times in open play. That's more the kind of approach that you expect. Well, I think, I think against them, we've seen how physical, how powerful they are. You basically have to remove any structure from the game. Try and get cheap territory, sticking the ball um, in the air. The, the amount of up and unders we saw from Bigger, the chase from Williams, we, we talked about it pre-game. And I think that now really, for teams watching France, will be like, well, this is our only real way, or our only real chance or, or method of beat. And I think England will, will think the exact same way. It'll be carbon copy of how they played against Ireland. A man down, backs the wall. But ultimately, France generated one real try, like one real opportunity, and they converted it. A really nice decar run from Dante, Mismatch, lovely hand by Moafana, Fiku and Jamine stick she launch down the corner and they score. Wales had two or three opportunities, but that's all you get. Like when the game becomes destructured like this, 
you have so few opportunities that you have to convert. And I think teams now will think, well, if we can reduce the amount of opportunities by getting into ping pong, not in too much multi-phase, where we're going to come unstuck against this French defense, we'll take it. It's going to become an arm wrestle. And that's what that game was in Cardiff, an arm wrestle. And France just came out the other side. How many times have we seen like Gatlin and Sean Edwards' Welsh side win those types of arm wrestle, those types of battle and win championships? And now, completely uncharacteristically, you would never think that of a French side typically. That's what we've got. This side, in the trenches, can dig deep away in Cardiff, play a different way. Other teams are going to shell them. I thought Jaminet was way better at the back after a few loose games. But that's it. Wales had a couple of opportunities, but they just couldn't convert. They had one in the first half. They had a line out, I think, in the middle of France's 22 one phase and they go for an up and under. That was a pre-planned thing like underneath the sticks. You don't see it at all, but they almost refused, even in the heart of Welsh and um, the French territory, they refused the physical contest. They looked to the air. And again, they had one chance, but Jonathan Davies unfortunately knocks it on. But I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think teams will get close to France. Um, and Dan Bigger said, look, we played against the best team in the world. That was our best performance in the championship, but we still lost. Like, it's crazy. That's what teams now are thinking, playing against this French national team. And I think England... They'll take massive heart from where they played against Ireland and the way they managed to adapt, the way they managed to scrap. And they'll think if we can take the Welsh game plan, the blueprint that they've given us and we've seen and the determination, there's a chance. But you're in Paris, you're in front of 8,000 people, you're in front of Dilo and Basta ripping up in the stands and it's going to be really hard. But England have a chance to spoil a party, but what a party is going to be if France win in front of 80,000 Frenchmen at the Stade de France this weekend. And for all the flair and the the rugby we all love to see, Dan, this France side winning a game like that away in Wales, is that arguably more impressive? Because you must have been part of that great side at Tyrone. You win games ugly, you win games however you have to win them. And this is almost a mark of that new France side that they can do that. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned it before, obviously, it, they would have looked at that as a semi-finals to come back to home finals. I mean, they're going to prepare this probably... As, you, as we know, the World Cup coming next year as a World Cup finals, they're going to use this as that. Obviously, it's going to be easy for them to get up for it, playing the roast beefs as, uh, as they're going to be all week uh, building up to it. Um, I know what that's going to be like. It's probably the one game in the tournament that, you know, they get really excited about. It'll be all over France, the telly, whatever station will be talking about it. Um, the big crunch, le crunch, as they call it. So, you know, England... We know what's coming. Um, being in France, though, watching it on TV as a kid, you know, we go to training and you'd be in a bar, in a French bar uh, with the pasties in the middle in the sunshine, watching these games, how passionate those supporters were. I think if they don't have a ticket, they'll get up to Paris, all the bars, you know, south of France. Every, I think everywhere is just going to be packed. This is the only thing that matters to these guys. Now, these boys will have the pressure, but this French squad, for me, uh, um, it's really been amazing for the last four years, the way... The coaches, you know, have come and they've re- rotated. I think there's now probably three players in each position that can can slot in if uh, someone gets injured. Um, we, they showed that when, I mean, they almost beat England's, you know, England at Twickenham in the in all, that Autumn Cup, um, where all the boys had to go back and play for their club uh, in in the league because the coaches decided they didn't want them doing it. So. I mean, there's so much strength in depth there, you know, boys that can come in. You know, I'm really excited about this because I know France are home. They're the favourites. I still think England will have that belief, how long it will last, um, you know, whether it takes 20, 40 minutes for France, you know, to... But I just think, for me, this is potentially a World Cup final. This is one of the biggest games. And Johnny, France might be approaching it as a World Cup final, but I know... 
England have travelled over on the Tuesday. They're approaching it very much as sort of World Cup style preparation. Eddie Jones has started the mind games early, as is his one. And um, he's talking about how to beat France, you have to outkick them, which is essentially what we've been discussing already, what Wales tried to do. Is it going to be almost like a, a World Cup knockout style game, a, a tense, nervy affair? 100%. Things where you look at their prep, they've got one day less recovery. They've got one travel day. Um, they've got one day less to prepare and actually decide how they want to play. But I think they'll be, it's weird because England have been really up and down. Like these just touched on the crunch. It's the biggest, it's the two biggest rugby nations in the Northern Hemisphere. And as a neutral, it's the biggest game that everyone looks forward to. England weirdly have been strange to watch because they've got so much potential, so many players, but they just haven't looked settled as of Ireland to a certain extent as well in this tournament. But I think that game, going a man down, almost galvanised them. Weirdly, you saw Eddie Jones talking about that being now the benchmark. Courtney Laws being like, it's a launch pad. It's really weird because it seems they talk in cycles about, you know, things are going to happen further down the track, but, you know, they don't get this right and they finish a really distant third. They lose this weekend and they they should be in the top two every single year. So should France, really, with, with the bulk of the players they have. But weirdly, again, galvanized because they got a red card. They had to dig deep. They sort of showed some serious resilience, like the performances of Genge, Itoji, Jamie George, like fascinating to watch how they adapted, how they really scrapped it out and ultimately could have, should have gone on and won that game. With 10 minutes to go, they're looking good. So it's a real weird one. I think a week ago, I said, no way, they got no chance in Paris. Now I'm like, they have a chance of spoiling a party. If they play a minimalist game plan like Wales did, they kick the ball in there, they chase, they spoil and they scrum, it becomes a 50-50. That being said, if France start well, at Paris, we've seen what they've done to the All Blacks. We've seen what we've done to Ireland and they've destroyed teams. So it's fascinating. And weirdly for a Scotsman, I spent my time watching that game cheering on England. That's the first time probably ever that I've sat and cheered on England through a game because we talk about how a spectacle is lost or a red card ruins a game. That's a red card every single day of the week. So really you think, right, that's the game dead and buried. But what they showed and how much they enjoyed performing. Like watching Ellis Genge come out of those scrums, standing up, basically having an ovation of 80,000 people. There's not many times that you get that as a player in any situation and that sort of ovation. So to see them lap it up, enjoy it, work through and celebrate these little mini victories and almost realistically, when you're given the context, that could have been one of the most famous victories in the modern Six Nations era. To play 80 minutes with 14 and beat Ireland would have been insane. So look, I absolutely loved watching one at the weekend. I thought it was fantastic what they nearly did and they should be really proud. And this weekend is going to be a mass. And again, it's knockout rugby. They're playing for pride to finish as high up the competition as they can. Third is as best they can fit, but they'll want to show with the World Cup coming around the corner that they can compete away from home in France against a French team that they might come up against the knockout rugby in a year and a half time. So it's a huge game rugby for both sides. How tough do you think it's going to be to back that performance up with those those forwards? So, I mean, Mate. Courtney Goick, those boys, can you do that? I mean, this is, we're talking about seven-day turnaround. Can you Are you able, you know, 80 minutes like that again? I can't because I'm an old. I'm old. Looking at Mario Toji, mate, the boy's Superman. Like, honestly, the, the work that he gets through, but it's his presence. Like, it's the physical stuff mixed with the timing, mixed with working his way through a mall, mixed with smarts, mixed with cancelling the first try by getting his timing right and taking Gibson Park's hand away to get Keelan Dort. Like, the work he got through was ridiculous. Can they front it up as a pack? I don't know, because that type of effort with 14 men is monumental. And again, you can't, the amount that it takes out of your legs, the amount of it takes out, and mentally the ability then 
to adapt and adjust and make decisions on the hoof. Adjust your line out. Like you lose one of your second rows in two minutes and Atoji and Laws seamlessly switch everything around and the set piece was just incredible. Jamie George's throwing was incredible. This, I don't know. The answer is I don't know if they can back up. They'll be absolutely exhausted. But in terms of an emotional driver, if they can start well and get themselves into the game and you saw their body language once they got the crowd with them at Twickenham, it's probably the best crowd I've seen at Twickenham as well yeah. in 10 years. Because of the situation, because of the context, everyone was up for it and pints were being spilled that much more at Twickenham, which we don't see that often. So if they can get an emotional boost in the first 10, 15 minutes and feel right, we're into this, and you can see Genge with that look in his eyes, you can see Atoji's up for it and they're pumped, you never know. And Dylan, you were there at Twickenham for the Ireland game. Johnny's right, isn't he? England come out of that one with a lot of credit, but it's almost impossible to judge where they're at at the moment because we've seen them only score a couple of tries outside of the Italy game. Marcus Smith is kind of getting his feet under the table. What do you make of sort of selection under Eddie Jones and where England are at and what we need to see moving forward from them this weekend? Yeah, I think Eddie, I mean, he's taken a lot of a stick. I mean, I, I personally think he's had it, he had it tough with selection. Um, you know, he's waited on guys, you know, like the like as Tuilangi, he's waited on people coming in, injuries pulling up. You know, started, I think, from the first week of start, I think Marla had COVID. So, and then he came back in later. Don't get me wrong, everyone else has to deal with it. Um, I just think, you know, we, we didn't really have, me personally, our strongest backline. I would have loved to see, you know, Marcus have a big crash up to uh, 12 there somewhere. Um, I think that was needed against the Scotland game. And that's probably why we went side to side and probably tried to kick in behind because we had no penetration up that midfield. You know, so I think there's been a lot of sense. I think Marchand started on wing now. They've moved them into the centre. So there's been a lot of shuffling. Um, they probably would have built the team around Farrell before he got injured for the Six Nations. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Johnny mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of talent around the whole squad, backs and forwards. And these guys can play at that level. You know, we do it every weekend. I still moan about, even when I played, with the Irish Scottish that only play probably four games in their league and then only look up to six nations in the World Cup. So they're always fresh compared to us having to uh, slug it out every weekend um, in a tough a Premiership League. So look, these boys, you know, they've been through it. I think they're doing well. Um, probably would have liked in the Autumn International, these boys are, I, I felt should have had a lot more game time um, coming in. So a bit like the French have done. And I think that would have, got them ready for this Six Nations because um, they haven't played enough together. I think um, we've seen it from the, from the first game. Um, they're getting stronger, getting better. But I think, you know, if you're going to start Six Nations, you should be, these guys should have already had a couple of, or a few, you know, 40 minutes together, whatever it is over that autumn international. So like, there's been a lot of decision, a lot of stuff. People are saying Eddie out. I think that's silly coming into a World Cup. I think um, he would have already started his planning probably three years ago after that World Cup for this one. So he's got a plan. Mate, why do you think he's so divisive? Like we've talked about the, the coaching and the, and the people, but he's such a divisive character. What do you make of Eddie as a character? Being an Englishman, having played for the country, what do you make of the bloke? Um, listen, I, I, I haven't been you know, managed by him. I think I, I've known players that have. You know, they all got different views on him. Um, when you're winning, it's all lovely. When you're not, different views. Um, you know, all the stuff in the press, I don't you know, really bother that. I've never been in that camp. And, you know, as a player, managers are different to when you're in camp or they're always there to protect the players. So they take a lot of stick or they moved the goalposts towards them instead of the players. You know, someone will say, why are you this player? Blah, and he'll take it on him, which is quite good as a, as a player to have a manager like that. Um, for me, has he, 
you know, reached his peak with this England side. Uh, have we been getting better, you know, since that 2019 World Cup? I think we've hit a bit of a, a wall at the minute. That progression hasn't been as good as we would have liked it to be. Um, is that his fault or is that the players? Is that over COVID, not enough game time, the guys, you know, coming back? I'm not sure there's a lot of questions that I'm asking myself. So, you know, to blame Eddie for most of that, you know, uh, you know, the weekend, Eddie's getting blamed, he should go. Eddie didn't make that tackle. I'm sure he's not telling people to go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of, um, he's getting a lot of stick. But look, I believe in him. I think he's got a plan. You know, I'm give, I'm one of those, give benefit of doubt because he got us to a World Cup finals. Right? So he knows what he's doing and he'll be looking to get us to, to, to there again. So um, I'm backing him all the way, um, especially after that performance on the weekend. You know, those boys have stepped up. It would have something to do with Eddie in there, you know what I mean? So um, let's hope we can have the same performance this time with a better result. And Johnny, a couple of key areas. You mentioned the scrum. Obviously, England won six scrum penalties against Ireland. Yeah. You can debate some of the decisions, I'm sure, but they were strong in that area and France are yeah. always strong in that area. And then the breakdown. Obviously, France have been phenomenal at the breakdown for a while now. England are going to be missing Tom Curry. Mm-hmm. How key will that be, do you think? Scrum-wise, I don't think Ellis Genge will get away with what he got away with at the weekend. I think you also had a French ref who was very aware that he'd sent somebody off after 80 seconds. It was one-way traffic, wasn't it? The penalty count. Like, I don't know how there wasn't a sin bin for the Irish after the amount of penalties they gave away, but it felt like Reynal was trying to even up or make it more of a contest. But I, I think for me, it looked like Genji was wheeling a little bit, not really driving straight, and I don't think he'll get away with that again. I think you look at William Servat and the French forward pack and, and their coaching staff, I think they'll have analysed that and they'll pass those messages, those images onto the referees for this week. So I think it'll be a tougher test for Ellis Genge this week, although he still gets an ovation for last week, so it's phenomenal to watch. Um, and in terms of contest and jackal area, I think one of the biggest strengths of this French team is that everyone contests. You know, Ant- Antoine Dupont contests, um, Jonathan Dante contests, Gil Fiku contests, and there's different types of contests. They can hold you up in the tackle area. England don't seem to have that, especially in their back line. Out wide on wings, they do. Jack Nowell's very good. Um, but in the midfield, you'd think it'd be easier to get go forward ground and there'll be less of a contest. So, I don't know. You're looking at Julian Marchand, Movaka coming off the bench, Jolange, Aldrit. They contest absolutely everywhere and England seem to be a little bit less effective in that area. So that could be massive this weekend. Um, but I think going back to the scrum point, it'll have absolutely been highlighted. I don't think England will get away with that again this weekend in Paris. No chance. And Dylan, your old position, Johnny mentioned Melvin Jaminet earlier on. He's improved, but he's very green still at international level, as is Freddie Stewart. Both very different types of players. How do you see those two? Yeah, actually, I was quite impressed. I, I spoke to... To join the first time I saw him play, I said, that Germany, like, because I hadn't really watched him play and I, there was a lot of rumours about him moving from Perpignan to Toulouse. And I was like, who's this kid? Or like, having a look, obviously being an ex-fullback, was he better than me? I'm thinking about myself now, so I compare them to myself. <laughs> Much better. Now, listen, he's been great. Like, I've seen him under the high ball. I mean, the first game in Paris when they played, I think um, I saw him under the high ball. He looked so calm. His acceleration... Stuff he does, obviously, under goal kicking. Um, he's got a good boot as well. So, he's got an all-round. I mean, he's been up and down, though. Um, a bit uh, like Stuart as well. I think uh, he's, he started his first cap, man of the match. He's been brilliant. And I think, you know, England need a little bit more from him. He's a big boy. Um, I would like to see him carrying up that midfield sometimes on a counter-attack. Uh, sometimes he comes back and it's a little bit where I think I just wanted to see him like the old Foden. Those guys just, 
you know, running it back a bit like Manu does. He's a big boy. He should be able to do that. Was he 6'4", 6'5"? So um, you'd like to see a bit more. Um, at the moment, I think if I had to, you know, have a fullback with me, you know, Jamley's probably edging it at the moment. Um, but I think Stuart, I still, I still think that he's got a lot to, and he's coming, he's coming along. Um, I think this will be a big test for him to see how far, you know, because obviously over there in France, with those supporters, as uh, you know, it's going to be loud. Um, you know, the trumpets, the drums, everything there. You know, the whole atmosphere. You know, it's finals day, so. I look forward to seeing them, but like I said at the moment, you know, love watching that, that Jamino play um, with Valier, those guys down there, they're counter-attacking. Um, it's been amazing. It's, it's the Toulouse of old days. It almost you're watching with that French team, you know, get that offload going. They look so strong, you know, the from 9-10 there. And then obviously adding Dante and, you know, he's been a little bit behind Basta for years, uh, not got his, his chance. And I think he's definitely taking it now, uh, playing with Fiku there. You know, they've gelled really well together. So... You know, it's nice to see that. Um, but again, it's going to be a fullback stay. Like we said, I reckon uh, that kicking game is going to be very important. I think if England like can keep France away from any points in that first 20, I think France will probably kick a lot more. So that counter-attacking game will, will have to be really good for, with England because if France can't, you know, they start twitching, which they do sometimes. I think they did a little bit in, in Wales. If, the, if England can keep the score close, I think... I think that's the only because I don't think anyone's done that to France yet, and that's the first time we saw them a bit shaky. So that's going to be very important. Um, that kicking game and that counter attack, just that field position. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but yeah, if that contest and with the high ball, you know, if you don't win that, that's guess what comes after that first drop ball, you're going to be. It's going to be raining bombs all day. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And we've mentioned that kicking game quite a lot. Obviously, it's well publicised that Sean Edwards came in and took charge of the France defence and brought in a kicking coach as well, Vloxilias, and they worked together well on the defence and the kicking side of things combined. That's going to be a huge area this weekend. You must have played against Sean Edwards' coach sides. He obviously gets a lot of media time this week and last week because playing against Wales, where he coached for a long time, being a proud Englishman. Give us an idea, Dylan, about the job he's done with France, obviously as part of a bigger coaching staff who have all done a good job, but Sean Edwards, clearly an incredible coach. He's doing great things with this French side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's he is getting a lot of credit for it. Um, the defence has been better. I think, I think just all around the coach and staff, I think for that French team, everyone's pulling their weight now. Um, I think before we used to moan about, you know, the French not being fit enough, you know, we were moaning about, you know, their kicking games not good enough. They don't have a game plan. You know, you couldn't even... I mean, Johnny will tell you, you know, you sit down in the week before playing France and they'll say, right, this is France game plan. I've never ever seen that before because we don't know how they're going to play, how they're going to perform, whether it's, you know, they've got set plays or whatever. It's almost used to be a bit off the cuff, that offloading game, getting people running off lines, which looked, you know, lovely. But nowadays, you know, they're a lot more structured. I think they've got a lot of dangerous players in different areas. I mean, Dupont would win games on his own. You've seen he's done that um, in, in, in the Champions uh, in Champions Cup. But again, I think Sean Edwards would have brought in that fitness um, uh, continuity in defence, you know, to keep going forward. And, you know, they've been doing it brilliantly. And as we mentioned earlier, at the breakdown, if you're isolated, that ball's gone. In that frame, from 1 to 15, they will steal that ball if you're, you know, if you're not clued up in that on, on those breakdowns. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And also the power, you know, Again, I'm probably not going to give Sean Sean Edwards credit for that. But every time the French go forward, it seems like they they go forward. They make ground every time. Those big physical boy and 
it's quite tough to defend that. And when, you know, it's coming at you, you know, every phase. So England are going to have to use some of whatever the French have been using in that defence. You're going to have to, those chop tackles, put them down early because if they get their um, attacking game going, rolling forward, offloading, I think we're going to be in for a long, long day. One of the big media outlets this morning has just, like the big headline question was, who has been the better English import, Sean Edwards or Johnny Wilkinson? So that's like already the esteem that they have. For, like, to add to that caveat, I'd have number three, I'd have Dylan Armitage. But <laughs> they, um, like that's how high an esteem they hold him in already. That's the effect he's had on this side, is that he's had that big an effect on this French side that he's already put on the same level as Johnny Wilkinson, which is ridiculous, but it's an, an amazing achievement. For, again, they haven't won anything yet. Mm. Um, it has to come off this weekend. But the change that he's had in their national sport reflected in the viewers on television, the way people talk about the game. He's been a massive part of that and it's incredible. So to be in that same level with Johnny already is just ridiculous. So it's fantastic what he's done and how the French public have taken to him as well. The fact that he started doing interviews in French, like Pigeon French, um, they absolutely love him. So it's a great job and he's had such a big impact already on this group of players. And Johnny, we chatted about Eddie Jones and his mind games and there'll be a lot of back and forth this week you know Fabian Galtier well is he going to engage in that how will he deal with it he won't give a shit <laughs> he Fabian even like as my coach Montpellier he didn't even he didn't even really analyze overly other sides it was more about what do we do how do we play um I mean there certainly will be aspects to analyze of the English game but he will be prepping his side to perform the best they can. He won't be worried about Eddie Jones for one second and he will not care. He's not the type of personality and it might boil over if they were to lose, jokingly, but, um, you know, honestly, he will be so concentrated on being the first coach to deliver a Grand Slam since 2010 that he, mate, he's not going to pick up the Daily Mail. Do you know what I mean? Like He's not going to pick up the Telegraph. They don't get it in Paris. He doesn't care. Um, He won't get it. It won't be seen. It won't be in any of the team rooms because it's not important what Eddie says. Um, they'll be concentrating on their own jobs, their own roles, and delivering, like I said, the first Grand Slam, hopefully, in 12 years. And aside from the mind games, is the mental side of things the one main intangible here? Because we've all spoken about how good France are, how they've evolved their game, how they have a clear game plan now. But they've never been in this position, have they? So this is a new French crop, and this is another hurdle that they have to overcome. So is, is that mental side of things is just another barrier they have to get through this weekend? I think it is for certain players. Um, but then even though certain players, for instance, like a Greg Aldrich, who I think is phenomenal, but you know, has lost the last two finals he's been in, in top 14. But he knows I've got seven or eight or nine of the Toulouse boys that have won both cup finals the past two seasons. And together, the way we've been playing, I reckon we could probably del- probably deliver this. That's got to be the way they look at it. They, I think they now have to back themselves. They take comfort and solace in the way that they've performed for two years and that this is now their moment. Like As long as they don't panic, which I don't think they will, they'll take comfort from the way they've played. They'll be confident in their abilities, probably more confident than they ever have been. They'll lean on the fact that they've got 80,000 people pumped up and baying for blood and it's set up really nicely. So I don't think they'll go into themselves. I think they'll stick to their game plan. It's worked for them. They'll stick to apply pressure to the pressure areas that have worked for them against other opposition and they look to beat England around this pitch. Um, and that emotional driver, and we talk about French crowds all the time, but that will be absolutely, del- like it'll be huge in terms of pushing this side around this field, digging deep when they need to, because we saw how scrappy and how deep the English boys went against Ireland. They know they're going to have to dig deep emotionally and physically to to better them. 
But no, I think that they should be confident in their ability um, to deliver this tournament and win it for French rugby. And Dan, they've handled the favourites tag well so far, but it's different when you get to a final, which this essentially is. We've talked about it as being a final. You were obviously used to that when you were at Toulon. Do you see them having any issues with that this weekend or not? The only issue, um, and obviously hearing, you know, you guys talk about Fabian and that, having Bernard Laporte and Fabian in the changing room before a game or the team talk, I just, I can't see Bernard Laporte, you know, letting Fabian talk. I think he's very, I know he's the head there, but he he wants to be in charge of it. And I spoke to some of the players about it and, you know, he'll come down and have his his talk. And, you know, Fabian, like Johnny said, I'm not sure if he'll, you know, accept that and sit there and say nothing, but these two will be, you know, walking around that change room while the boy's in there, making sure they get ready. I remember, you know, having Bernard Laporte there, hated music in the change room, so we had none. And he would sit there when the boys, everyone's got their own headphones, just watching everyone, making sure that they're preparing. And, you know, he'll just sit in this chair, walk up, walk back down, sit back down, and just staring at everyone, which is pretty awkward. And I think he will, it'll be, I think he'll find it hard not to be down there. Um, you know, and him and Fabian, I think over the years, they've had a bit of, Altercation. I think obviously something's gelling at the moment because the team's performing. They're doing, you know, what they're being asked of. So it's, there's going to be a lot of emotions. You know, emotional the French get, um, especially at home in Paris. There, um, if things don't start going their way, um, yeah, like I said, if Eng- if England can stay in that game at halftime, those French boys will get a rocket, out, and, and that will happen because that's what the French do. We could see maybe some of the young guys, you know, start looking at the more senior players for help, and if it's not there, so. You know, playing in finals there, I've played a couple of times there, um, Stade de France. When that crowd gets going, you know, it's the probably most intimidating place in, in Europe, if not in the world there. Um, steel bands, everyone going. But when they're under the coach, when they're not winning, the booze is probably worse than the football ground. They get on your back at the home team and, you know, you know about it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And you mentioned you played there a couple of times. You played in the 2010 Six Nations, the last time France won the title and won the Grand Slam. But you missed that game in Paris, didn't you? The Grand Slam clinching game for France. Could have been <laughs> yeah. such a different story if you were there, eh? Yeah, definitely it would have been. There's no way uh, they would have beaten us. Nah, no, listen, um, that, that is a tough place to go and win. Um, listen, obviously playing for England, I will, you know, we're, we're back in England, but I know the big challenge that's in front of them. Um, no disrespect, I don't think anyone will be watching any of the other games. <laughs> this, will be, this will be the one they'll want to watch. Um, no, but I think, yeah, look, it's all built up. It's going to build up more. Um, I wish I was in France now to see that build up because I think that's all they're going to be talking about at the moment. I think they'll be all hanging around Paris for the next week until that game. So, you know, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. And I think, you know, like I said, that stadium, once it gets buzzing, you know, England want to keep that crowd quite as long as possible. You're over on Thursday, right, though? So you'll get to see it building up on Thursday night, Friday night, and then before the game with Basta on Saturday. Yeah. I'm not worried about you, mate. <laughs> I have to save myself, save myself. Peace it. Yeah, but like talking about the game coming up, even as a non-player, as a supporter now, you do feel that nerves. You do feel that excitement about going to the stadium. You know, even when England played Murrayfield, going in there, you see the crowd, the anthem, the boys singing it. Yeah, that, that build-up is, you know, there's... I guess that's what we miss as ex-pros international. You love that being in that change room around the guys, you know, you're going to war together. You're going out there to perform for your country. That is what I miss. I'm getting excited now about it, you know, nervous. So yeah, I just can't wait to get on that plane and get over there. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. We've teed it up nicely, though, and you said no one will be watching any of the other games. So, well, <laughs> mate, they're all they're all different times for a reason, mate. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to very quickly touch on those other couple of games because we have to do our match point predictions. So, let's have a word about the other games, Johnny. Cool. And if you haven't got involved yet, it definitely isn't too late to join. And even though there's only one round left, there's a chance to win a pint of Guinness with every game, as well as other weekly prizes as well. All you have to do is pick the winner of each game, how many they'll win by, and don't forget to enter our league with the code LURUGBY once you've downloaded the Matchpoint app as well. So for the one that Dylan is definitely going to be watching, Johnny, first up, Wales, Italy. Um, that is going to be one-way traffic and one game too far for Italy even though there were some positive bits and flashes against Scotland again, and they came back the last 20 minutes. Little Ange, the fullback mm. from Grenoble, he's going to be a star. He's also rumoured to be moving to Toulouse as well. So you've got him yeah. and Jaminet looking to move there. Um, but I just think one game too far. Wales, obviously, as well, nothing really to play for, but they'll want to finish with a bang at home. Um, so I'm a little bit worried for Italy. I'm going to go, Wales are going to win that by... 27 points yeah I'd have to agree with the uh, one way traffic um, I think Wells at home um, after last week's performance you know they're talking about being their best performance I think they're going to want to back that up against Italy so they're not going to go easy I think uh, yeah um, Wells by 23 interesting to hear what Johnny thinks about this next one but <laughs> tell him we'll go to you first Ireland Scotland <sighs> Ireland Scotland um, obviously Ireland's still in there lots to play for um, after this weekend, I think they would be very disappointed with their performance, even though they won. I think they'll be thinking, you know, we left some points out there, um, even though England defended well, 
But I, you know, when you're playing against 14 men, you always think, you know, you could have done better and you had an opportunity there to really put put it on England. So I think Ireland, you know, will have that momentum playing at home as well. I'm going to say Ireland by 17. 17? All right. Complete lack of respect. Okay. Um, oh, man, I'm right there with you. Maybe not by 17, but... Um, I don't know, Ireland as well. I think being an Irish, I've got a lot of Irish mates that watched that game and they were really frustrated against England in that they had so much of the ball, so much possession, gave away so many penalties. I think when you go down to 14, you think it's going to be easy. So you push things, you try and offload when it wasn't on and they look really crap. And it's been really weird that England have been up and down, Ireland have been up and down, but Ireland now, 16 points, France, 18 Ireland know they've got to smash and do as much as they can to beat Scotland with a chance of England spoiling a party for France. And Ireland can still win the thing. So again, heart, naivety would say Scotland by three points, but my head is saying Ireland at home, and they haven't lost to Scotland for a long time at home, um, would be fairly comfortable. So I'm going to go Ireland by 10. But I might change that, Tim, because <laughs> my heart might pull me and I might change my, my predictor just before, but we'll see. Head right now is saying Ireland by 10. And the big one in Paris, Johnny? I think for how they've gone about their business and how they've evolved over the past two years, the fact that they're back at home, the fact that there's a crop of players now that have a head on their shoulders screwed on and they can all perform 1-23. Bearing in mind, England are probably the other biggest team in this competition, um, but they've got one less day prep, one less day to recover. I'm going to go France, delivering the first Grand Slam since 2010. Um, this weekend by six points. I think they will beat England. I think it'll be tight, don't get me wrong, but I think that'll be because of the way the game's played. It'll be the same game that we saw against Wales. It'll be tight, it'll be an arm wrestle, it'll be a struggle. But I think France have got enough in the tank and enough nous to win this game. I'll probably have to agree. And that's why I probably asked a question about the forwards backing up that performance on the weekend. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um Having played in a few cup finals over there in Paris, um, the French don't really play a lot. I'd like to, I'd like to see some rugby, running rugby, but I think, you know, they're going to just try and grind out a win over there. You know, um, playing probably less rugby than we want to. So I'm just going to say France will probably win it by three. Both going for France wins. Interesting. Can't wait for that one. And Johnny, we've got to get your meter moment of the week shortly, but we can't get Dylan on without having a bit of a chat about your Toulon days, your time in France, Dylan. So you mentioned Bernard Laporte earlier on. Very interesting comments on him. What was it like being part of that Galactico side at Toulon and, and particularly playing under him? Was he a, an authoritarian kind of head teacher figure almost? I want to say head teacher, but more of a, you know, I thought his, man, his management was brilliant. I think he was more, he wanted to be a dad to everyone, you know, sometimes too much. I mean, he, he knew everything that was going on on the field, outside the field and guys, uh, he's a very emo emotional guy. So, you know, if something happened to someone or, you know, he gets very emotional about it. Um, but also what was good about him is what happens on the, the training ground or on the field. Once you leave that gate from the stadium or the training ground, that's not Bernard Laporte anymore. That's Bernard now. Do you want to go have a coffee, a drink, a beer, a glass of wine, some food? Completely different person. Lovely, lovely guy. A lot, lot nicer than you see on TV or the media. He is actually quite a genuine, nice guy. So... You know, I really enjoyed my time with him. Um, his player management, I thought, was very good. Got the best out of me, um, my brother, and all obviously all those players, you know, you had to manage. Um, you know, when you get guys like Ali Williams, different guys across the world, back his water, doesn't talk as much. 
Ali's there. Um, so it was impressive, I guess, <laughs> but I say, I mean, you know, he wasn't a minister for no reason and, you know, wasn't a French head coach for no reason. I think he knew exactly what he was doing, what he wanted to achieve. And we did that, you know, thanks to him. I think the reason we won the double on Johnny's year, I think he got banned for 13 games. So he wasn't in a change room and we had the music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly a big sticking point in the music for you. <laughs> 100%, I think. I always feel like, you know, when you're going to go perform, you know, if you're going out, you know, with the lads, music always get you the buzz, you know, if you're going to go and do something. I think before a game, it's that same kind of feeling, all going out to have a good time together and win. Um, he didn't like that. So, um, did he ever explain to you why? Did he just say no or did he explain why? I, I think nobody even tried. I think it was one of those, the French team never had it. So, I don't think he's going to let it happen at too long. And, I'm, and then I guess when you're winning, he would have probably let it happen. You know, when you're losing, then you find little things to change. Um, but apart from that, you know, I thought he was brilliant. He backed us when the owner went a bit crazy sometimes. He looked after us. Did um, he? Yeah. He, Which he owner was, are you talking about, mate? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did he go crazy? Uh, I used to love it though because um, they actually got on. They got on pretty well. Um, the only because I used to ask because I was pretty cheeky when I was playing. I used to ask him, "Does that not embarrass you that the owner walks down there in a t-shirt with a star on it, and you're sitting up there shouting messages, and he's saying different messages? And did that not ever affect you?" And he said, "If it did." I would have kicked him. I would have kicked him out of the club. So he pretty much was the boss. I think Bernard down there. Um, he brought in players when he wanted to. Um, you were always on edge. It almost felt like an international team. So if you didn't perform on the weekend, you know you could be gone next week. Mate, it was more than an international team. It was the all-star barbarians international team based in the south of France, living the dream. Like that's <laughs> that's why everyone found it fascinating and intriguing. It was the best team in the world with the best players every single week. Like it must have been, and again, like the stories that come out, like you managed to have great fun together as a group as well. Like you socialize really well. Yeah. It was such a big mix. It must have been amazing. Like all the different personalities from all around the world. It must have been one hell of a time. Yeah, no, no it was amazing. Look, you know, we knew that we weren't liked by the other clubs for one reason, because we had all the players, all the mining, you know, all the other stuff. We probably had the worst training ground in the league, but we had everything else. So, you know what I mean? The players, the fun, we, you know, Probably a lot, and then if you if you think about you know some of the games, the away games, like the French said, all right, we'll put a second team up. So if your second team started ten is Michelac, uh, Memos, and <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> Drew Mitchell on one wing, and you know, I mean that that potential. Sometimes you know, Vanny Kurt will come in because my Steph wasn't there Christmas. So so these you know Sheridan in in a in a in a second team to go play away. Um, you know, you sometimes feel sorry for those clubs, you know, because. Obviously, winning at home was very important in the French League. You know, you could have a very nasty whole week if you lose at home. You know, Johnny will probably tell you, living that side of France, walking around Castro Montpellier after losing, you know, that's not a place you want to be for that whole week. So we got away with a lot because uh, we were winning. Uh, we trained a lot less because we didn't need to. Uh, when you're winning, like I said, you get away with a lot more. But when you lose, you get the bus home. You know, doing a nine-hour bus journey back from Clermont to Toulon, because you lost the game is, you know, in the last minute as well, it's very tough sometimes. But Mate, you used to play for my clubs. We, we, we got the bus <laughs> everywhere. We didn't get any planes. <laughs> you live in a different world, mate. I want to ask you, were you were you there for when Toulon lost in Oyonnax and the, the jet had been taken up, but then Morad phoned Tom Whitford in the changing rooms? Were you there for that story? So I wasn't there. I was in um, Leon at the time and Leon's 
45 minutes from from Grenoble, which is Oyonnax, which is down the road. So I got a phone call asking some of the boys, can we come stay at yours or can you pick us up? And I was like, no. So you could tell the story. I know the story as well as you. I was just asked to come and get picked up. So you probably know the story better than me. Well, just like the boys had gone up on the plane and obviously the plane was due to take them like take them back down the road and Tom Whitford, like they lose. Again, they toiled really well. Oyonnax were a decent times because that was like Christoph Urios coming into his four as well. And they lost with like the last kick of the game away to Oyonnax. And apparently Morad's phoned Tom Whitford and be like, mate, you're not getting the plane back. I don't care what you do. And just hung up the phone and he was like, what do you mean? So then that was it. It was then up to all the boys to find their own transport back to Toulon because he'd cancelled the plane. And that's where Dilo, you can pick up because you must have got phone calls from all the boys. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I've got a few phone calls. So, um, obviously, hearing about it, he he actually added to Tom, if if they take the plane, you're sacked. He actually told the manager that, don't bother coming back. So he, in his head, sat around with the players. The players said he's just, he got them a bus, um, went into, got them home, went into the train, I think, on a Monday. Morad asked him, how'd how'd they get back? Oh, I got them a bus, leave. So he's kicked him out. So he's probably, he sacked him that morning. And I think he's come back in on the Tuesday or Wednesday and they were negotiating. And But yeah, so the players uh, were ringing and, and they said like, oh, what, what should we do? I was like, just stay there. Just stay in the hotel to go back there and just go on go on the latch. I don't know. I, I, it's one of those, he, he didn't do it to us when the time of Bernard. I don't think Bernard would have accepted that. I think, um, it, but that wasn't the first time. The first time we won the Heineken Cup in Dublin, and the boys we went out after were socialising, wanted the, the cup. He'd taken the cup up to his room, wouldn't let us have it. So a few of the boys snuck in the room and got it off him. He was literally holding on to it like that. We got it downstairs. He said, I need it back, guys. And all. So anyway, the week that week we were playing in, in Nantes, I think, in the semifinals uh, for the top 14. So we were going straight from Dublin to Nantes. So he's taken a trophy put on the social media back in France that we were coming back. So he got the whole of Toulon in the airport, in Ear Airport, just for him to come back with the cup because we went to Nantes <laughs> and he knew that. So that was the kind of stuff oh, that we, so we're watching it on the Varmatan, the papers and on the news. Morad's gone back and he's getting lifted by the crowd with the cup and we're in Nantes training for a semi-finals against <laughs> Toulouse uh, in the cup on a Friday night. So... Yeah, we've had a few few stories. He's, I mean, over the summer when the season had finished, I think he he collected all of the cups and he kept them at his, so we couldn't even have pictures or anything with it. It was, I mean, and it must have been quite weird for the yeah. group, like knowing what was it like dealing with that type of personality. Like obviously a big personality, but clearly yeah. by what you're saying, quite selfish or very selfish. Yeah, um, but that must be quite weird. Again, when you're in an organization, everyone's pulling the right direction. You want to do the right thing. It's a team sport. To have somebody almost undercutting you or undermining you it must have been quite bizarre for you to work through that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was quite tough. But again, we looked at it. You know, we've come over there. He's paying us a lot of money. It's his toy, isn't it? it, it, it then we're his toys. Do you know what I mean? We're, we've come there, you know, for him. A bit like, you know, Abramovich at Chelsea. This is my, my say, my club. I'm going to do what I want. This is it. I've got you guys here to win me trophies. And that's basically, that's what it was. It wasn't for us. It was for him and for the town, for Toulon. So he did say that a lot, whether it was for the town Toulon, we don't know, but him taking it back there to them and not us, it probably was. So you'd have to, you know, take it, whether it was a picture, whether it was or not. But yeah, look, 
we were not so much looked after. It was right, you signed that contract. Now you'll do as I say, basically. And, you know, it worked. And, you know, he got what he needed from it. Um, we got silverware, you know, the town of Toulon, lovely place. You know, they, they enjoyed having him. I, I mean, I've, I see the steam now that they want him back. I'm not sure that they actually really know him if they do. Because um, I think he left that club with a lot of debt. So <laughs> he sold it off. But yeah, look, he was what he was. But look, we had so many classy players around. We just worried about on the field stuff. And we let that happen. Because if he got involved, like we said, in the politics upstairs, you're definitely not going to win games and it's just going to look bad for everyone. And you mentioned the Champions Cup final there. We can't have you on and not mention Benji's <laughs> favourite moment when you scored <laughs> try in the 2013 Champions Cup final and celebrating, obviously, on your way to the line, as we all know. How do you look back on that now? And just how much stick did you get for it afterwards? I think I still get stick now. Um, I think I got booed for the rest of my career in France. Every club, every game, I went to away game. <laughs> Um, when I looked back, I've had a chat with Benji over this. Um, we were having a, a coffee in Dubai um, and we were talking about it. And I said, Was it just yeah. after he scored that try from halfway in the veterans oh, game? God. He doesn't stop talking about it. Is he still going on about it? I think he got chased down by Califano was uh, asking for the pass <laughs> that time. He didn't give it to him. But that's how quick that was, that try. Um, yeah, we had a chat about it. I think a lot of things building up to that. I think it wasn't just the way that they were angry about. I think there was a knock-on just before that that the referee didn't pick up. He was telling me um, from um, Palisson, the winger. And there was a few advantages, a few things that the referee didn't call up. And then that to add on top of it, given that try, um, where Lobby's put his foot over, I don't know whether that's legal, I don't know. Kicked it out of his hand and, you know, went and scored. Um, the wave, I've done it. That wasn't the first time I'd done it. Do I regret it? Probably yes. Was it intentional to, you know, no. Um, no, it was, I'm not like that. I know Brock, um, but yeah, it didn't look good. Um, just before that, no one's talked about it, but if you see under the post when he'd scored and I was like, oh, you know, he's like, yeah, mate, might as well take your boots off. It's over. That kind of stuff. It's just, for me, it's on the field stuff. We have a laugh. It stays there. But, probably in situations and games like that, it probably wasn't the best thing to do. And then um, having a spout on Twitter with Brian Moore probably didn't help either, <laughs> that whole situation. <laughs> I probably should have switched my phone off at that stage. Um, but listen, you live and you learn. I Listen, I enjoyed my time until I enjoyed my time. So where a lot of people do have regrets, obviously my only probably smallest regret was probably when I left, I knew I probably couldn't play for England anymore. But silverware, you know, makes that feel a bit better. I think, you know, if you got the opportunity to win three Heineken Cups in a row, I think, you know, sometimes that kind of, that regret goes away quickly. But You've, uh, you've done all right, mate. You've done <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, yeah. did, did Stuart Lancaster try and call you at any point and persuade you to come back? Um, so Stuart, just before the 2050 World Cup, Stuart was in Toulon, um, called us up, me, my brother and Johnny to have a chat, uh, a coffee about it. Um, I ended up leaving before the end um, because... Of the coffee? Um, of the coffee, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't I didn't even finish an espresso. <laughs> um, yeah, it was basically a chat. You guys need to come back. Probably only Johnny would have been able to play. Uh, we need to come back. And uh, obviously at the time, for me, he said, look, there's no guarantee you guys are going to play, but if you come back, there might be an opportunity. You'll train. And you know, at the time, I think Mike Brown was playing really well. Foden was doing well. You know, they had a lot of strength and depth in those positions, national boys. So for me, you know, after just winning, you know, the double, 
you know, and going again, I just re-signed with Toulon. I was, you know, there was it was kind of a no-brainer for me at 31 years old. Any part of you look now at the allegiance rules and think if that had been in play at the time, you'd love to play for France again? Because you played representative rugby as a young pup, like when you were 15, 16, right? Yeah. Would it have been very cool for you and your family to have been capped for England and have the chance, having played and win that silverware with Toulon, to stick on a French jersey again? Um, but that came through, didn't it, before the Olympics? There was a lot of talk about it. But listen, I, 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 my dream when I was growing up, obviously living in France 13 onwards, started playing you know, in the county stuff, moving up and uh, playing to the under 16s, really enjoyed my time there. Um, obviously being told I was too small um, just before the academy didn't help my uh, my future, you know, finding clubs and that. So I ended up coming back to England, um, trying to play over here, um, ended up getting lucky contract with London Irish. But yeah, you know, uh, do I regret it? At the time, would I... You know, with guys my age, you're talking about Poitra now, you know, talking about, you know, Bruce, all these guys were leaving, but, you know, Cashin and you said, you know, these guys were, you know, different level. Um, at the time, would I have come through? I think my dad had come in as well at that time. He's, you know, he seems to be, I always think he's 40, but he's two years younger than me. I think he started playing with 16 at that level. So, you know, they've had amazing back three. That's one thing in France, they would what are they never lacked off back three players and you know, outstanding attacking players. So yeah, I had a bit of regret. Also, you know, I felt I was playing better rugby than when I was in England, uh, when I came to France. You know, playing in Heineken Cup finals and playing, you know, that kind of rugby, I thought I was probably a better position to to play for England still. Um, probably better than I was when I played for England at the time. I was a bit more experienced, played with better players, learnt more of them. You know, you it's impossible not to learn off, you know, Matt Getzer, Johnny Wilkinson and these guys, you know, around you. So, um, yeah, that was the only disappointment, you know, that, that rule had changed, I think, just a year before I went. And that rule that England have and other nations have as well, is that one that you kind of understand? I know it's talked about a lot, or is it one that you think is quite short-sighted? Because as you said, you were gaining a lot of experience. You felt like you were a better player. I'm on the fence with it because I think the last thing you want, we've got quite a competitive league in the Premiership. Um, you don't want players going over to France. Um, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, not me because I wanted to be better for money. I think a lot of them went over there. But we talk about people saying for money, but you also had an opportunity, you know, to, to play Heineken Cup final, finals. Um, I didn't go. You could go. If you go for money, you go to two. We're talking bottom of the table. Your Breeze, like Andy Good and those guys, that's big money chasers down there because Breeze are not going to win anything. So they definitely went for the money. And then, you, you know, you, as you move up the ranks, you know, like myself, you, you, you go to win silverware. You know, you're Toulon, Clermont, Montpellier, Cash. These teams were there to win silverware. So for me, that's why I went. You don't want to see, you know, you're the captain of England playing for Clermont, really. You, you might want him around. And, you know, and if they start going, my dream probably, I wish I'd probably gone younger age, maybe learn from those guys at a younger age. But the problem in France, they, they're not really keen on playing young academy players um, in that setup. They Back in the day, I don't know if it's now, they played foreigners. They would buy guys in and play them more than ourselves. And then we get to play the away games down in Brieve, in the cold, in the wet, in the, in the second league. So I'd like to see guys go and better themselves if it's for a year or two, just to see that league, because it is a tough league, especially if you're a front row player, uh, front five even. But again, you don't want our league, you know, to be worse off for it. Right, it's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it, Johnny? What have you got for us? Uh, a few this week, actually. Um, 
Charles Olivant getting back fit and getting his boots on and playing his first competitive match back. He was playing for Toulon away to Montpellier. They lost narrowly, but he got through some serious work and actually played well. So great to see him back to fitness after five, six, seven, eight months out now. England's pack, can't give it to England's pack on this podcast, but they were phenomenal. Um, Ellis Genj, Jamie George, Atoje, they were all wonderful to watch in the face of adversity. Um, but the meter moment of the week this weekend comes to a newbie. And again, even on a French rugby podcast, not many people will know the name, but a certain young fullback making his debut off the bench for Italy, dotting down two tries and skinning Scotsman for fun, Ange Capuzzo, or Capuazzo, who has been incredible for Grenoble. Every time I've watched him, he has been freakish, breaks tackles, and I mean, he must weigh 70 kilograms. He's absolutely tiny, but the boy can play rugby. So, meter moment of the week, Ange on his first game for Italy, um, probably going to end up at Toulouse soon, two tries on debut, and the start of what we think will be a fairly exceptional international career. So he is our meter moment of the weekend. Players in your old position as well, don't it? looks about 12 still, eh? Yeah, no, definitely. It makes me look a lot older. Good <laughs> thing the camera's doing well for me here. My <laughs> makes us all feel old. But that was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item with the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout as well. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Dylan. And a big thanks to everyone at home for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass as well as on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode after the Grand Slam potentially next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers, boys. Cheers, D. Cheers, mate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.